Yep, now let's go and seal that big keyhole. So, I listened to a few other podcasts in my time, and I know, I'm so unfaithful. As much as I love the sound of my own voice, every now and then I like to, you know, hear other people say sweet nothings into my ear, and it's strange how much wrestling talk I hear from different podcasts, like, <laughs> they're all... <laughs> as far as I know, pretty unrelated and they're like movies and video games podcasts mm-hmm. which yeah. I, I understand there's some crossover, like re- wrestling's a lot more popular than I ever thought it was but oh, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> but yeah, like at least three of my podcasts every now and then they'll go on uh, like these wrestling tangents and actually it's much it's much more frequent than every now and then it's like every episode pretty much <laughs> like for all three <laughs> And I personally have no interest in wrestling. I can appreciate why other people like it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like real life shonen. <laughs> like battle <laughs> anime. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I can appreciate it in that sense, but not enough for me to like actually watch it and like, you know, follow it. But I power through these discussions every time because of this... This wild fantasy I have of being at a trivia night and, you know, the bases are loaded. We're in the final round. It's my team (laughs) against one other team for the number one spot. And then the final question is a wrestling question. And my my entire group is stumped because we're just a bunch of nerds. We don't know anything about sports or fighting. And I'm like, guys, I've got this. I know. Anime glasses. (laughs) Yep. And then I'll be the hero, and they'll rise me on their shoulders, and it's just, I'm really holding out for that, so that's why I keep listening, even though, really, what's going to happen is that exact scenario will play out, but I won't remember the actual answer, so <laughs> it'll all be for now. I was about to say. <laughs> uh, uh, so that sounds, I think, more like it. Yep. It's weird that you mentioned that, because growing up, I, I, I was never into wrestling, my friends would always have, like, the WWE and the Raw video games, so we'd always play mm-hmm. wrestling video games. So, I should say always, but there was one person, like, in each group that always had a wrestling game. Oh, totally. And then, I, you know, I, high school, didn't matter, and then I came to college. I wouldn't even say college. Like, as an adult, I've realized how many people I know or follow on social media and just know who are into wrestling. And, yeah, it's a surprisingly... High amount, so probably like end of college uh, or post graduation. I'll be like, why are people into wrestling? And then, yeah, I think the same thing by proxy. I've just consumed enough media of people who will yep. go on wrestling tangents to kind of understand everything. Mm-hmm. And I was about to say, I think you're 100% right in the fact that wrestling is just real life showing because I was like, wait a minute, what about like. <laughs> mixed martial arts what about like and stuff like that and i was like nah wrestling's 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 the the correct amount of anime hype we need yeah to make it pure shonen for sure yeah which makes me wonder if there's you know if there is 
like a wrestling anime i mean i'm sure there is there's an anime for everything but like no like big ones that i know of but i'm not i'm not super versed in what's popular with the mm-hmm. anime kids these days the only wrestling anime i can think of a flashback to the kids wb block uh, is ultimate muscle and even that i'm not sure if that's wrestling or not uh, but the premise is that. literally <laughs> yeah but I remember the premise of Ultimate Muscle being... I mean, I think the main character... I think Kid Muscle is literally a wrestler. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's a... I don't remember if it's right. a wrestling tournament, though. Yeah. Like, hmm. See, when you said Kids WB Block, I thought you were going to say Mucha Lucha. <laughs> the one the one true wrestling, not an anime, but yeah. we're going to call it anime for comedy's sake. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh, I... I Oh, I, now I feel warm in my soul now, and now yeah. it's gonna go away because I'm. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a show! Very good. Oh, <laughs> well, enough about wrestling talk. Um, we are, as far as I'm aware, a wrestling-free podcast. Uh, welcome to Kingdom Hearts by Hearts. This is episode fifteen, and it's gonna be a. A bit of a mixed bag episode today. We're gonna. I was, I was gonna say like literally the mixed bag episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna check in on Hollow Bastion, wrap up everything there, and then basically we just have a bunch of errands to run today. But before we get into all that, uh, if you've been if you've been a loyal listener, you'll know we always like to take a little stop in the game corner. And... One of many corners. Yeah, although my Disney corner is pretty pretty short this week, to be honest. Like it may not even be worth mentioning, but whatever, we'll we'll stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, game corner. What what have you been playing this week? Playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I've been fo- focused on the grind at this point because we want to make sure we're not talking out of our butts. Yep. These last few episodes of KH One. So that's been my main focus. I'm trying to. I was like, I ever. Every Sunday morning is what the hell did I play this week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anything besides the out of the ordinary, I will say. I did, I did do some research actually. Uh, I started playing a little game. I shouldn't say I started playing. I picked up my play my existing playthrough of XCOM Enemy Unknown from oh boy twenty is this twenty fifteen reboot? It's... Was it twenty? I think it's twenty eleven. No, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, so XCOM is like an existing for the, for the uninitiated. It's been like an old school since I want to say I literally looked this up. I'm an idiot. '94 is when yep the first game. It wasn't even XCOM. It was UFO Enemy Unknown, uh-huh. and they are all. In fact, I watched a YouTube right before we started our, our uh, recording. I watched a YouTube video of just like the opening mission from um, mm-hmm. XCOM U- U- UFO Defense. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's still the same. The series is mo- mainly known for being uh, sci-fi strategy games. And so they had a lot of, you know, it was an early PC game. They had also had some, I think the first two or three games were ported to PlayStation at least. But I, they most, they've mostly stayed on mm-hmm. on computers. And then yada yada yada, I don't have much experience with those games. But XCOM Enemy Unknown got a reboots basically in 2012 and that is a very good game i recommend you see anybody who listening wants to go play a strategy game xcom enemy unknown i 
feel like I've said Enemy Unknown way too many times already, but X. It's, it's a good game. So this week I decided to dip my toes back in. It was kind of like I was working on some stuff. I might have been doing audio mixing for our episode that came out. And I was like, oh, it's kind of late. I don't want to get hooked into, like, a game. But I do want to, like, like take, a, like, a deep breath and relax before I go to bed. And so I was like, oh, let me boot up my Is this the XCOM game you file and to? see where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I, just need, I just needed a, a relief. Okay. And apparently, <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do a Monster Hunter hunt. I could start grinding. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really in the mood for those. And then I remembered, oh yeah, and I, I so I have my, I, actually last week I went through my Steam and divided up between games I'm currently playing, games I need to play that have been in my library for years, games I want to replay at some point, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh yeah, XCOM is installed and it's in my slate of games I need to be playing, so I'm like, let me play a mission. I was like, I'll play a mission, because it can take anywhere from like, I think 10 to 30 minutes for a mission, depending on how hard it is, I think. Your, all your units are unique. I wouldn't, shouldn't say they're all unique, but they're all randomly generated characters. You can then customize and change their appearance and name. But also when they level up in their specific classes, you can click specific uh, buffs and trees for them to spec into. So I was like, let me, if I want to finish this damn game finally, let me play a mission just to reacquaint myself with who's this unit, what do they do, what do I need to do, um, why am I running out of money constantly... And why is uh, why is the whole earth screaming at me to defend everybody when I'm just a single man? Okay, it's so yeah, it's like a tactics game, like uh, your fire emblem. Yes, like like your fire emblem. I would say XCOM always wants you to be on high alert. I I would say like mm-hmm. we're in fire emblem. You make your move, your opponent makes their move. Like rinse repeat. In Overwatch, there's a lot. Overwatch in XCOM, there's a lot of. I would say in-between turns or reactionary things. So I, I said Overwatch because the, the base of it is everybody has an ability called Overwatch where if Uh-oh. you don't fire your weapon, you can just basically look out for enemies. So if anyone enters your sight radius when, on the turn on their turn when they start moving towards you or in a specific direction, you're like, oh, I see you! And then, you know, take a shot at them. Okay. So there, there's, there's layers like to an, an XCOM. Like an onion! So I, I have also, I guess mostly yesterday, but I played a lot of it yesterday. Um, yeah, I was pretty deep into Kingdom Hearts because, yeah, we're in that phase of the game where there's just a lot to do. And then you like really get into that nice feedback loop of like getting all your synthesis materials, going back to the the synth shop, getting your next item, seeing what, what you got to get next. I, I guess it's kind of like Monster Hunter in that sense where... I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe I would like Monster I have these parts, so, so what can you make for me? Yeah. Wink, wink. So yeah, uh, I was playing a lot of that yesterday. But yeah, the main story, as always, is Final Fantasy IX, or Final Fantasy X, if you will. <laughs> 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 and I'm both happy and sad to report that I have closed the chapter once more. I beat the game Friday night. It's it's quite a bittersweet symphony, that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I ended up putting in like 50, 57 hours-ish, which is interesting because my first save file was like 50 hours. So you'd think the second time through, like you'd kind of know what you're doing. So it'd be shorter, but 
Mm-hmm. I did do more side stuff, but I feel like it wasn't that much more. So, just interesting to note. Yeah, I was about to say you you can you can get through some stuff quicker, but now you're looking for the extra little biddies as well. So I think that kind of makes sense why the play times I think would be around the same. Yeah, like I mean, I did do a lot of extra stuff in my first playthrough, but like like I didn't have the missable item FAQ, for example. Um, and I, yeah. I feel like I did more grinding this time. Like I definitely just popped on like some podcasts and stuff, and just just fought some grand dragons on a loop. But um. Yeah. Yeah, so let's see. I I got every ability in the game. hey Nice. So, like, certain characters have, like, their ultimate attacks, which you can kind of level up. So, for example, Zidane's Thievery, it's based on how many items you steal throughout the whole game. Uh, Freya's Dragon Crest is based on how many dragons you slay. Kina's Frog Drop is based on how many frogs you catch. And then, like, uh, both Aiko and... Um, dagger slash garnet uh their summons are based on how many of that particular gem you have which is pretty cool so like for example uh you learn uh i i don't know if this is exactly right exactly right but like you learn the ifrit summit by equipping a ruby and then once you learn that ability you still want to keep the rubies around because the more rubies you have in your stock the more powerful ifrit will be which is like a really cool touch and like I have to wonder if other Final Fantasies have done something similar for, like, how you power up summons. So I feel like usually mm. it's just, like, a flat damage rate, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I feel like it's either a flat rate or based on, like, user's magic stat, yeah. probably. Each, I, must say each, I, was like, I was like, each game does them different for, like, the first seven to eight games. They are just literally... Hi, friend, come here. Thank you. So, <laughs> and I'm actually curious on... Where the damage scaling yeah. summon comes from, or if and they differ as well. Yeah. So like basically, it's like whichever character you like, there are ways to make them suitable for end game. All that to say is like you can keep grinding for those attacks, basically. Um. So like I was fighting off grand dragons, and I had Frey in my party, mm-hmm. so I was both getting a lot of AP points, a lot of experience points, and then I was uh building to her dragon crest. Yeah, I had a lot of you know. 9,999 hit attacks, so that's always exciting. <laughs> yeah. I got all the ultimate weapons, although it's... Nice. I feel like that's kind of a misnomer. Like, for example, like, uh, Dagger's quote-unquote ultimate weapon, the Whale Whisker, like, they're, like, two rods more powerful than it for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why that's classified <laughs> as the ultimate, but... Eh. <laughs> I beat the ultimate boss, which is kind of surprising like i beat it much quicker than i expected (laughs) similar to a lot of the kh super bosses um it's mostly just a lot of prep work for that guy of like all right who's my party what equipment should i put on them what ability should i have like what do i need to be kind of leveling up here so yeah i did that and i was going to grind you know to like level 99 for everyone but i was like eh, it's a little too slow so i didn't do that so yeah i beat it and I was checking the, the FAQ for all the different side quests and stuff. And there's a side quest in the final dungeon, which apparently is like, was like a decade plus mystery that like no one knew about this side quest really, which is kind of crazy. Like it only surfaced like around 2013-ish. And I guess it came out because oh. of, in the Japanese Ultimania strategy guide kind of alluded to it or something. But there's a side quest mm-hmm. in this final dungeon where 
Ah, it's so annoying. It's more in just a disc for overall, but like if you go to this certain spot in one of the towns, you'll get like a little cutscene with characters like looking for each other, and it's kind of like this little subplot. But to progress it, you just have to go through the rest of the story, like proceed through the dungeon, and then Mm -hmm. like at different quote unquote checkpoints, you then go back to that exact spot in Lindblum, the city, and you'll see like the next part of it. And the checkpoints are, like, as simple as, oh, like, you beat this certain monster in the dungeon or see this cutscene, or as subtle as you enter this room. (laughs) So, like, you have to hit, like, nine checkpoints, and I think there's, like, 18 total, but, like, at a certain point, Mm -hmm. if you don't go back to them, like, you won't see the end. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, especially because... The final dungeon, like, it's a one-way ticket, basically, where, like, you get a teleporter at the very start, but to exit it, like, you have to backtrack all the way back to the entrance, and then you have to go back to the city. Yeah. Yeah, you have to keep going back and forth, back and forth, and then, like, each time it takes longer to get back. And, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to me that, like, you know, it's the final dungeon. (laughs) Like, why did they choose to, like, bog it down with this crazy side quests where like you're constantly exiting <laughs> it's kind of like going like back and forth between like a cave and pokemon where you're like oh my god like this is so awful to like get out of here easily unless you have an escape rope obviously but um mm-hmm. I, I guess the idea is like you know you do this like after your like third or fourth playthrough where like you know how to do everything and it's not really important side quests like i couldn't even tell you what the reward is but like for all you completionists out there you know you're thirsty for yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I didn't do that. <laughs> but I did beat Hades, who's another kind of optional boss. And then he unlocks the, the Master Synthesis shop. And then uh, once you beat Ozma, the the ultimate boss I was mentioning earlier, he gives you a pumice, which gives you the summon arc, which is like, I, I guess, like Final Fantasy IX's equivalent of Knights of the Round, which is just this, like... <laughs> three minute long summon animation (laughs) where it's basically a transformer of like this like warship and then it turns into a giant robot and it's it's really awesome oh boy (laughs) and it like shoots this like mega laser that like warps the entire universe around the enemy and then it like shoots out through the other side of the earth and then uh, oh oh my god <laughs> but then because my garnet is like her levels like not as high as everyone else's it only did like 5,000 damage <laughs> and I was like cool <laughs> oh yeah but yeah I beat the game and I, I won't spoil anything but yeah the ending is very bittersweet like it's very a very satisfying wrap up for all the characters <sighs> all this to say Final Fantasy IX is a very, very special game, very dear to my heart. Go play it. And I, I've been, like, kind of perusing around the Final Fantasy IX subreddit, and, yeah, a lot of people feel this way. So, yeah, very special mm-hmm. game for a lot of people. So, yeah, that's that about covers it for Game Corner. Game Corner. More than Final Fantasy IX. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, super quick Disney Corner. I've watched one third of The Sword in the Stone. <laughs> Woo! Which is the uh, the Merlin movie, the King Arthur. Uh, and it's real boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So do you know when? Do you know what year? What what, what your what year Sword in the Stone came out? Uh, not exactly, but it would be around late fifties, early sixties, probably early sixties, because okay. it comes after uh, Dalmatians. Okay, yeah, I wonder where it is. When when where it is on the timeline? Yeah, because it's also another one I remember watching years ago, but. You know, I don't have any desire to rewatch, basically. Yeah, no, that's completely justified. Um, yeah, I watched it for the first time, yeah, like maybe ten years ago. I remember renting it from my local library. <laughs> uh, and I, oh, I watched damn. it with a friend because we were in like this weird King Arthur phase for some reason. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're back to boring Disney where there's no plot, really. And this one especially, it just, it it's literally just like motifs like the whole story is just merlin teaching arthur lessons and it's from what i remember he like goes <laughs> uh it's so dumb he like changes them into animals <laughs> for each lesson so there's like the squirrel okay. lesson the fish lesson and i think maybe oh boy the bird lesson yeah it's weird <laughs> uh so bird up it's yeah it doesn't do much to keep your attention i think there's like a wizard fight, quote unquote, at the end, where like there's an actual villain, <gasps> but like it's Merlin <gasps> and the villain, not Arthur. Like Arthur doesn't really do anything in the movie, from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit of a stinker. Uh, I don't even know if I'll finish it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's justified. It's just interesting that like you know Merlin's in Kingdom Hearts, and I had to wonder like, did they choose him because Sword in the Stone is a quote-unquote classic or is it just because they needed a token wizard <laughs> and i feel like it's the second <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's i mean there's probably other mentor characters in early disney but i'm merlin when i when it comes to a character that needs to go through a training arc like merlin probably because exposure to kh as well as the movie itself yeah it's just merlin's my default uh, image in my head basically like I feel like they've covered all of the like magical Disney characters, like fairly fairy god fairy godmother. <laughs> uh, fairy godmother mm. is also, you know, hanging out in Merlin Shack, and then Yen says, yeah. you know, big daddy throughout the rest of the series. So I don't I can't think <laughs> of any other wizards, or at least any good wizards that they could pull from. So, yeah, eh. but yeah, it's it's lame <laughs> and i Boo. i just realized before we recorded i should have watched tarzan because we're going to be talking about it in this episode for the world tour um but i didn't have that foresight apparently so no none of us do <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i want to do is it won't i guess for those who may or may not know I'm, i won't say the name but there is there i also need to see but there's definitely one or two movies i, I do want to watch before we get to the end of the end of kh1 okay that are very similar like you remember i remember you watched dumbo because dumbo's a summon and bambi because bambi's a summon but i think there's one maybe two but i think just one movie that i may not have ever seen i want to see for the first time with my little little baby boy eyes all right well stay tuned everyone so that's that's it for Disney Corner. So why don't we move on into the actual, not world discussion, I guess world's discussion. Woo! So we're going to call this the, the Great World Tour, as they say. Woo! So yeah, after Hollow Bastion, 
Uh, a lot of stuff opens up in the, the rest of the world, so we're just going to, you know, go back and see what's new and clean some things up and grind some Heartless, because that's, that's what we're all about at this portion of the game. But first things first... We've got a plot to advance. It's mildly. Yeah, so I guess we should pick up where we left off uh, back in Traverse Town uh, immediately after retreating from Hollow Bastion. The only thing I had of note here was the gang all reconvenes at the old abandoned house, basically, and Sora explains what all went down to Leon and co. And Leon, he has some line of dialogue of like, Oh, Belle hasn't returned to Agrabah, and all the other princesses are holding the key, the darkness back from the keyhole or, or whatever, which makes me wonder, like, how how are you keeping tabs on Belle? Or, sorry, uh, Jasmine. Like, how do you know that she's still in Hollow Bastion and not in Agrabah? Uh, because the plot told him so. <laughs> yeah, like, do you have her on speed dial? What, what's going on? Ah, uh, yes, the, my, uh, <laughs> my rustic, authentic... Uh, Agrabah cell phone right here, yeah. as you can see. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those tiny details, but, like, when you do think about it, like, I honestly can't think of anything that would explain this one, whereas with all... Mm -hmm. We've touched on stuff like this before, and usually we come up with something that's kind of, like, half-credible, but for this, I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Unless he, like, yeah. physically flew there in his own gummy ship just to check it out. Yeah, I don't know how he would know that, and if he even knew who Jasmine have. was. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that's like the, if we had to stick a plausible reason just so our, our lizard brains can understand it properly, that would be the one. Mm -hmm. But Sora coming back and be like, yada, 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 Leon's like, give me ten minutes, and then comes back and he's like, oh yeah, I checked Agrippa, she's not there, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we've got uh, a few little teeny tiny errands to run in Traverse Town. Basically, we've got to lick our wounds before we set off into the great darkness once more. Yep. But the main sort of plot point here is uh, reuniting with Kyrie uh, in the uh, the uh, old cave, the abandoned waterway. I never know what to call it. The secret waterway. Secret tunnel! Yeah, pretty much. I, I, no, I, I say secret tunnel meme, but I think the, the area name is secret tunnel. I think it might But be. the characters always refer to it as, like, the abandoned waterway or yeah. something like <laughs> Yeah, you get the instructions from Sid to go find the other Navi G. <laughs> Never thought a kid would be the one to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so you go on and collect it, and then Kyrie's like, oh, oh, hi, Sora. Uh, why are you avoiding me? Why, why does it take you so long to actually talk to me about what's happening <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this is probably the best Sora Kyrie cutscene in the whole game mostly by virtue of it's the longest one <laughs> yeah I would I would go I would extend that to even beyond this game yeah but I mean honestly I think, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna put a pin on it and keep it in the back of my head when we revisit Sora Kyrie interactions mm -hmm. later in, in the franchise yeah what is what is their couple name? Sokai. Oh boy. Kaizo. <laughs> Kaizora. Soriki. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be like an official fan designation, but I can't think of it for any reason right now. Ka Ky Kyra. Kyra. I guess. Kyra is like the only one I can think of. Yeah, Kyra or Sori. Uh. It's probably Sori. Sorry. Sorry. 
<laughs> it has to be. It's the only way. Yeah, we get the cutscene, and basically Kari's like, let me come with you. And Sora's like, you kind of get in my way, toots. She's like, oh, <gasps> you're right. I'm just a dumb girl. And he's like, here's a nickel. <sighs> Use it to pay the, t- the, the cab fare home. <laughs> Welcome to first, the one... Welcome to the first of many, uh, Kari, I wish you could do something moments yeah, that we're going to encounter. It's the beginning of the uh, pretty much constant downward slope for her. <laughs> mm. Oh, boy. Um, See, the thing is, you're right. <laughs> and, yeah, there's this really awkward shot in this cutscene where it just lingers on her chestal region for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what is the deal with that? So I, I remember this, and I feel like it's one of a few cutscenes that it's it's not what we're making it out to be, yeah. but it's just awkward because it just show it just it's literally like Kyrie's torso, and as a teenage girl, it's not a very good angle to hold yeah. for very I mean, long. I'm not going to say anything teenage. out loud. Yeah. You're all, you all understand what we're talking about. There's a lot of angles of her, like, in cutscenes and other things, where it's just, like, from the mouth down. Like, they will, like, the camera will purposely frame itself so you don't see, like, her nose or her eyes. So I think it's it's just yeah. evoking that that frame, but... <laughs> yeah, like, I... You can, uh, yeah. I, I can't even finish the sentence. Yeah, like, I feel like that's kind of, like, a common shot of, like, the character's face, but it's just the lower half of their face. Mm-hmm. Like, specifically, I can think of a shot much later in the series with Aqua that's basically that. So maybe that's what they were going yes. for? Where, like, I don't know, for some reason, they're, like, hiding Kyrie's eyes to kind of, like... I guess she's, like, kind of playing coy, like, her line, something like, so I can't help, or something like that. Um, so, like, maybe mm-hmm. the idea is, like, oh, like, Kyrie, she's, like, all kind of mysterious and, you know, playful. But, like... You could have, like, zoomed into the face so that, yeah, that was just the whole shot was basically her chin instead of, like, having her whole torso in it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's awk. But, um, yeah, the main uh, takeaway from this cutscene, literally, is Kyrie gives us her lucky charm. Be sure to give it back to me. And we get the Oathkeeper Keyblade. which becomes a bit of a staple for the entire series so pretty big deal hold on to it let's talk about it what do we think of good old Oathkeeper? it's well yeah Oathkeeper at at this point how far we are into kingdom hearts not one but just like the series in general yeah Oathkeeper is just a staple i think at this point iconic yeah (laughs) exactly i had to to double check uh, the stats on it before i say anything else but yeah. Yeah, Oathkeeper is just always good. I, I say that as I know that there's an update to get Oathkeeper in 3, and I definitely haven't done that, so uh, uh, now I, get, I gotta look into that. Yeah. But yeah, Oathkeeper, I won that the design is good. It's really based off Kyrie's. It's basically the Kyrie Keyblade, but not really the Kyrie Keyblade. Yep. But it's based off of her Lucky Charm, which I mean, it has charm. a very like elegant, clean... It Some could say it's simple and clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it could... Most people will probably know this by now, but yeah, the teeth of the blade are literally the kanji for for light. So it's, yeah, it's it's the light keyblade. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really cool that, like, there's a weapon that's specifically themed around, you know, the light, because that's kind of like, 
you know, all-powerful sort of concept throughout the whole game. It's just neat that that's kind of, like, the final weapon of, like, here's light incarnate basically and like you can tell through the design like it's got the angel wings it's got the kanji it's got you know carries like a charm but also it's just really white <laughs> and like it really mm-hmm. stands out compared to like all your other keyblades like the much yeah the only one i can think of that would come close would probably be kingdom key but that's silver mm-hmm. so yeah so and now that you say that now that i think about it this is the final story-based Keyblade, correct? Technically? I guess it depends on how you... You're about to say, if you, if you, like, if you didn't open any other chests... Yeah, like, the only else. one you'll you'll get through Critical Path. Like, you can't, like, skip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really, like, this is, like, the... You know, this is, like, the Light Keyblade, and I was just thinking, because we're now in the end game where we're going to be talking about a few Keyblades, yep. but I was like, wait a minute, is this the final, like, you have to get this Keyblade... As a not final form, I would say it's, I mean, it, it, it's good, it's designed well, and it's useful, so, like, yeah. Totally. I kind of always imagine this as sort of signature Keyblade, basically. Like, usually, like, when I was younger, I would always use this for the final fight, for example, just for the, the symbolism. Mm-hmm. I like getting late game original Keyblades instead of just... Mm-hmm all the Disney Keyblades, and, like, usually they'll have some sort of story significance. So, like, pretty much every game will have, you know, a couple of Keyblades that are usually based on, you know, a specific character or, you know, some sort of, like, plot point, but, like, there's some sort of, like, significance to them instead of just being, oh, hey, here's a Disney Keyblade or, you know, a Final Fantasy Keyblade or, in the later, later ones, here's a, an Ice Cream Keyblade. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Yeah, I loves I loves me plot keyblades is what I'm what I'm trying to get at here. But unfortunately, I guess specifically in Final Mix, and and we'll get into it as we get the other keyblades. But like, I feel like it does get outclassed very quickly. Like we've talked about this with a few keyblades now, like Fairy Harp, for example. Like it kind of is a slightly better Fairy Harp actually, because it gives you the one MP, and then it it's a little stronger than Fairy Harp. And I don't yeah. know that it does anything else really well. It's Fairy Harp is eight strength, one magic. Oathkeeper is nine, uh, nine strength, one magic. It's not the size of a toothpick, so it's easy to hit people with. And oh, this is the part I always forget about Oathkeeper. I always associate it as a magic keyblade, but it's capable of dealing. The, the crit rate is higher. It's okay. capable of dealing strings of critical blows. Yeah, it's kind of like an all arounder, so to speak. Yeah, like if you're not really married to a playstyle. Yeah, which yeah. is fine, but yeah, like if you are uh, cough cough magic, then yeah, there's there's not really a reason to use Oathkeeper aside from just really liking the design and wanting to keep it around. Mm-hmm. Slightly unfortunate, but still a good one. It's, I mean, that's pretty much it for Travis Town. You go get the the Navi G installed. So it's it's in our notes. I, I actually I wrote this down. I'm not sure. When it comes in, I think it plays when we leave Traverse Town, but I could be wrong. But there's a cutscene of Riku in the Realm of Dark. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think it's right after the um the Kyrie cutscene. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going crazy. It's a final mix cutscene, I realized, because one, I have very vague memories of it, but two, as you pointed out last time we talked, there is no audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really awkward because uh spoiler alert the voice she's hearing comes from mickey (laughs) 
and yeah it does not sound like mickey at all like the way it's written <laughs> like it sounds yeah kind of like the voice from the very beginning talking to sword in the awakening it sounds like just this like weird mythical figure who's like very self-important mm. and like kind of intimidating like like he says something like oh can't you feel the echoes of their hearts or something just like very like mystical can't you feel the echoes of our hearts riku yeah yeah like i was reading it in mickey's <laughs> voice and i was like this doesn't sound right <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, yeah but, but yeah what's 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 going on here with the old riku boy why is he in the realm of darkness as opposed to being a heartless yeah so i God. So I've been doing some research where we are currently playing through and not talking about. And I have to. I think I talked about this last episode. The fact that Riku's heart has descended into darkness, but Ansem's uh, creepily tan, hot Billy Zane body is technically Riku's body, but just magically warped to look like. How he looks like because yep. reasons. Yep. And I think that can you, I'm talking very slowly. Can you tell my brain is <laughs> on the brink of destruction? I think that tailors to why Riku is in the realm of darkness. Yeah, Mickey has a line something like your your body lost. Or, like, your heart won the battle against darkness, but your body didn't? Yes. Which kind of doesn't explain that. Like, if his heart won the battle, why is it now in the realm of darkness? But whatever. <laughs> well, I imagine when someone's when someone turns into a heartless or gives their heart over, that they may... Like, their essence, their their, their being just literally disappears, but Riku's okay. got a strong will, and also as a main character we can't get rid of just yet, yeah. so... He gets to be in the realm of darkness instead of being "quote unquote" dead. <laughs> yeah. So, from what we know of another character who ends up in a situation like Riku later in the game, later in the series, I guess his heart never really left his body, which is how mm -hmm. a heartless is created. Unless your heart succumbs to darkness, but Riku's heart didn't succumb to darkness, even though it totally did. But whatever, main character. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I guess, like, his, as you just said, like, essence slash conscious is now, like, floating in the realm of darkness. Although, if we're comparing him to that character, that character doesn't really wander around the realm of darkness. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And also, well, we know it's Mickey at this point. Well, and it even says, the, the voice even says, even though it doesn't sound like Mickey, like, it's a very implied and uh, hashtag we know. So, yeah. Uh, good luck with that, Riku. But, um... Suck it, loser. <laughs> you get what you deserve. Yep. Back to the realm of light. <laughs> we make our way to Hollow Bastion, and just because the game loves messing with you, you have another gummy route, even though you've already been to this world. Oh yes, because we have to we have to get back to Hollow Bastion. Yeah, and this this <laughs> one's slightly longer because you start off in like the normal gummy region, I guess you could say, and then you take the warp point to the 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 big bad dark. Mm -hmm. That's always fun. <laughs> So, yeah, we get back to Hollow Bastion, and, yep, pretty much just make your way back to the top with a few new things sprinkled here and there. Uh, so your first stop is going to yeah. be the library! That's where I want to spend my vacation. <laughs> You'll meet good old Belle, um, and they, they thought they were real cute, huh? Giving her, uh, no dialogue, basically, so they didn't have to hire another voice actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because her and Beast have, like, they, they trigger a cutscene. 
but they don't. I, yeah, I, she I doesn't think she speak. Says it. It's really just, just like a yeah. It's a it's like it's a oh we get to walk up each other to each other cinematically. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny when you just take beasts grunts and isolation. <laughs> so like in that cutscene, I think he like he starts out by like oh he's like <laughs> and then um later in the boss fight of this visit there's just a lot of beast just grunting like doing the same attack over and over <laughs> god right, beast calm down don't hurt yourself but yeah uh, we get our first uh free princess sighting with Belle, which is always a nice touch. Like, I like how she's kind of hanging out in the library, because one, that makes sense for her character, but two, it's nice. She's a nerd. Yeah. She also, you know, gets that little reunion with Beast, someone on one time. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice way to kind of set her apart, because uh, Belle's always been my personal favorite princess. <laughs> she's probably been one of two that have personality, so the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do love Snow White's little Betty Boop voice. <laughs> oh, well, I guess after the entire beast is like, I've come here, I've come for Belle. I mean, you could have her in the chapel with the other princesses, but I think having this more intimate moment makes sense after he's like, Belle, Belle, I'm staying here exactly. for Belle. Yeah. Only Belle. Uh, OGP Belle. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, after that cutscene... Uh, you'll talk to her, and then she gives you the gift of the Divine Rose Keyblade. Correct. This is... This is... God, this is one of few... In Hollow Bastion, there's so many, like, here's a cutscene, talk this NPC at least twice to get a thing. Yeah, the second visit's annoying, because, yeah, you can (laughs) easily miss, like, all the loot in this world, basically, if you just speed through it. Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's not as bad as um, one we'll get to later. But yeah, you do have to deliberately talk to yeah. her to get it. So Divine Rose got buffed in Final Mix, correct? I was about to say, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this <laughs> insane glow up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the, the, the rose has bloomed and it's... Mm-hmm. It has a 13 strength, which is insane. <laughs> yes, so in an OG KH1, it was... I, I never realized this until we played Final... When Final Mix first came out for in the 1.5 remix. I never realized that Divine Rose is technically a short keyblade, because I don't think it really... It doesn't state it. So in my yeah, mind, I'm like, ah, oh, it's regular size. Yeah. But it's, it, it is... It's funny, because I, I, I dunk on Fairy Harp, and this thing is probably the same length as fairy mm-hmm. harp if not like maybe wishing star length which is like literally like maybe a like a small itty bitty bit bigger but i like it's funny because i dunk on fairy harp like nobody's business and then i'm like i stan divine rose <laughs> so much so small keyblade capable of stringing together multiple critical hits and it got hella buffed in final mix this was this is the thing i used basically for the rest of the game yeah. I kind of resent it though. Like I hate how much better it is than everything else. That's the and that that's the unfortunate side is that this got an insane buff mm-hmm. and now Ed, like the the he, the keyblade hierarchy is out of whack now. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I definitely dipped into Divine Rose for a lot of the grinding. Um, even though I'm a magic boy. Just because, yeah, it's just so efficient. It's just that much better, yeah. Like, even though, like, yeah, like, I'm not a strength build, like, just slap that on. Like, you don't even really have to use any strength equipment. 
like just having that alone, you can basically one combo most enemies. <laughs> so it's it's crazy, yeah. which makes sense because it's pretty much based on Beast, and Beast is big boisterous boy. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, I just noticed that Beast's hits, I guess with his claw swipes, basically, but like his like little particle effects are the same as Divine Rose. It's like the little petals oh. appear like whenever he makes contact with an enemy, which is okay. Yeah, kind of weird, but kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I never really noticed that. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and like take a closer look at all of the party members' hit effects, because I wonder if they also share the world's Keyblade hit effect. Mm-hmm. Or if they have like a unique one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as for the design of the Divine Rose, eh... I go back and forth. It's pretty straightforward. Like, there's nothing, like, super special. There's nothing super special or truly unique about it. It is what it is. It's a, it's a rose. Yeah. It's... I like the, like, stained glass uh, guard. That's a cool touch. The main thing I don't mm. like is, like, the actual blade. If you take off the rose, it's just a blocky purple sword. <laughs> it looks like if, like, in an RPG, when you're, like, going to a blacksmith with your weapon and, like, they're hammering it down, but it's, like, in the in-between phase where they haven't actually finished it. That's what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. And then you take off the rose head, the rose teeth, it just looks like a big purple popsicle stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my personal Keyblade design sin is when they repeat the same design for the teeth and the keychain so yeah it's a rose for the teeth and then it's a rose for the keychain for this keyblade so that always just feels a little lazy to me yeah so don't really care for that it's fine so yeah uh, slap that bad boy on and you're pretty much good to go for the rest of the game basically yeah not much else has changed between here and the chapel which is where you'll meet the rest of the princess gang and they're just gal palling it up. <laughs> yeah, you just talk. You just freaking talk to them. They they talk in like in groups. Yeah, they're so like they're seven kind of clicks. Well, there's <laughs> exactly yeah. I'm about to say so. Kyrie is back in Traverse Town. Belle's in the library. So the other five. So Aurora, Snow, Jasmine, Alice, and Cinderella are just straight chilling in the chapel in their little high school cliques. And like Sora, sit at our table. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think even one of them, like, has a line, like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here with all the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> they still call you Keyblade Master? Which, I mean, it is Sora's, like, legit yeah. title, but it always... And then, I guess they are princesses still, but I'm still just like, oh, Keyblade Master. Sora's like, hi! Yeah, it's like, the way they're written kind of feels like they always knew they were princesses of heart. Which we know yeah. isn't true for, like, Jasmine and Alice. But, like, Jasmine in particular, when you talk to her, like, you get the sense that she's, like, all up to speed on everything and she's cool with it. Like, she's dropping, like, oh, the final keyhole, Ansem, not gonna go back to Agrabah until I finish my job here. Like, she seems, like, very much adapted to this new princess of heart lifestyle. She's so, ch- yeah, she's just chill and everything is, is uh, happening. Yeah. Like, yeah, bruh. It makes sense. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, like, she's not surprised at all that she's, like, part of this epic quest to in the fights between light and darkness. She's like, yeah, this is just a Sunday for me, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to me. Just in general, I like how, I mean, anytime, really, a Disney character shows up in a world that isn't theirs. So, like, yeah, I like how you had this gathering of all the princesses. Um, I kind of wish, this is more of a discussion for later games, but I wish that the princesses of heart were more 
prevalent throughout the series. Like, they had more to do than just be... Yeah. Like, literally damsels and distresses in the first game. Like, because, yeah, like, when you talk to them during this part, like, you get the sense that, like, yeah, they're much more active and, like, you know, they say, like, oh, like, we're we're holding off the darkness, basically. So, like, it's kind of a shame that they just kind of disappear after this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I can't remember. I think it's after you beat the boss, but they give you Fyraga, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So, you can... so a- after you beat the boss, and c- you can come back and they will give you Fyraga. And also, I will point out, I don't know, just a little, I'm trying to be more an- more analytical this time around. Uh, very similar to how we kind of noticed that Oathkeeper is the last story-based Keyblade. Uh, fire, your fire magic yep. is pu- is your only story-based full magic tree upgrade. I think the game does automatically kick you back to the chapel and then they give you Fire Rocket. Like, I I don't think you can miss that. Mm-hmm. Or it's, yeah, it's pretty hard to. It's... Yeah, because, like, I distinctly remember Fire Rocket always kind of being underwhelming because, yeah, you just get it handed to you, basically, whereas pretty much every other Gaga <laughs> um, spell, like, you have to kind of go out of your way a little bit for it, so... Yeah, I think you get it automatically. Yeah, there's there's one or two other magic upgrades that come from collecting a certain amount of things, or there's one in a treasure chest, but this is one of the ones that's yeah. just given. It's like, huh. like instead of, because most of the other ones, they're like, oh, you beat a boss, you obtain the power of blah, 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 and you're, you either get the magic or the magic gets upgraded. So one of those Cinderella. Yep. <laughs> I just imagine because Cinderella's one doesn't mean the talking. I think in that cutscene, I just imagine that she just lights her hands on the fire. And is like, "Hey, kid, you want to see any trick? Yeah, like, <laughs> you want a piece of this action, bad boy?" <laughs> <laughs> so you'll go on to the Grand Crest. Yeah, just in general, for me at least, because I am on proud mode. This second visit is really annoying because a lot of the rooms have. A lot of waves of Heartless, and Heartless that hit hard. So usually what I would do is I'd get through a pretty decent chunk of them, and then, oh, what's that? The defender whacks me with a shield. Oh, I'm dead. Cool. That was all for nothing. Eek! So then I would just start it up again and then just just skip all the Heartless and go through the room, because I'm like, I'm not going to keep wasting my time with this, because these bad boys hit Damn, too hard. And that's especially true in the Grand Crest, because there's lots and lots and lots of big Heartless on top of each other, and I'm like, eh... Yeah, especially like literally that first little dip where the, all the princes were being held in the in, held in the walls. Yep. Like there's I think two or three waves that just show up. Yeah, like large bodies. I think you'll get a defender or two wizards, and then if you get the stealth soldier, then yeah, it's just it's a lot. <laughs> he doesn't make it easier. <laughs> oh my but goodness! You probably do want to get rid of all the heartless in this room because one, I believe there's. Yeah, a Dalmatian test. I think it might actually be there is. 97 through 99, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah, so yeah. theoretically it's the last Dalmatian chest. But, more importantly, <clears throat> if you go to the top of the room, uh, right in front of what we can presume was supposed to be Kyrie's holding cell. Oh, yeah. We get another chest, although this one's pretty easy because if you're that high up, usually the Heartless will just spawn on their own. But uh, what's what's mm-hmm. inside that chest, Marshall? It's my boy! Yeah. My sweet boy! It's Oblivion. It's the Oblivion Keyblade. I love him so very much! Yeah, so we get our other, well, what should have been the endgame Keyblade, but not so much anymore. And we'll get into that. 
Yeah. <laughs> but we get the opposite of the Oath Keeper, Oblivion, the Keyblade of Darkness. Uh, very appropriate. Look what they did to my boy! <laughs> the lore implications is this Keyblade represents Sora's memories of Riku. So basically, his turn to darkness personified as a Keyblade. And, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a solid one, like, for sure. When I was younger, I would always use this Keyblade for like the rest of the game basically just because it looks so cool it's very cool and he was he was so very good but, but, but yeah playing for this game as a kid this is the one i used this is the one that ever i think everybody used up in, if you ever got uh ultimate weapon yeah. but this is the thing you always use basically until you got ultimate weapon because it's it's not good it's got good decent stats it's got 11 strength yep. it's a pretty decent size the only unfortunate side for them for, for yield magic boys is that it's minus one mp yeah which so. i do not care for so yeah i honestly don't use oblivion that much because of that reason <sighs> he doesn't get much final mix love because of especially because of divine rose now but yeah no uh, it's it's a shame it's just sweet child it's just like objectively a worse choice than divine rose <laughs> <laughs> welcome to welcome to the rest of the game. We're just gonna compare everything to Divine Rose. <laughs> Why would you give this one a negative MP debuff with only eleven strength, and then Divine Rose has thirteen strength with no drawbacks? Like, how does that make any sense? Make it make sense. Yeah, it made a lot more. <laughs> exactly. Like like we said, Divine Rose broke the game. Pretty much. Because in, in original, like Divine had ten. Ten. It's ten. It's short. And it deals critical blows, whereas Oblivion is a little bit more for a loss of magic and just like a, a good all arounder at the end of the day. Yep. And then they just <laughs> they said Divine Rose wasn't strong enough. Yeah, like I don't understand why they would give this insane buff to like I mean basically yeah a Disney Keyblade really. If anything, you'd think Oblivion would get the buff, but yeah, you would think rules. like maybe <laughs> like like there are very few Keyblades that get. In fact, there's I think there's only really one or two that get almost debuffed from regular game to final mix. And I, I guess Oblivion is a balance debuff, unfortunately. Like, nothing about the blade change, but because some of its friends got better, yeah. it just now doesn't see uh, n- much use, by proxy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it'll, uh, it'll still definitely get you where you need to go if you just really like the design. That's totally a valid yeah. approach. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of wish that there was a cutscene to go along with Oblivion to kind of explain that this is, you know, the quote-unquote Riku Keyblade. Mm. I'm trying to think, like, where you could squeeze that in. If this was the reward for locking the final keyhole, maybe. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not the world's Keyblade, yeah. but still you're locking, like, the thing that Riku basically tried to open, or, you know, Riku Ansem was heavily involved in, so that experience could manifest a new keychain, perhaps game? I was just thinking, like, maybe you, like, I guess it got destroyed, but I was gonna say maybe you found the Keyblade of Hearts, and then basically transformed that into your own Keyblade, because there's definitely, you know, some similarities between them, but... That gets dissolved near the princess heart, so that wouldn't really work. Basically, like, something to, like, get across that this is also a very story-significant keyblade. Like, I do like it when the keyblades are kind of optional and out of the way, but, like, for this one in particular, like, because it is Mm -hmm. the parallel to Oathkeeper, like, I feel like something, something's got to give here. Exactly, (laughs) like, like, it's involved in the story, 
and will also be involved in the story that will much, much later that we won't talk about anytime soon, but when it comes up again, you'll hear me scream because I love Oblivion, just saying. Yeah, like in Kingdom Hearts 2, it, it gets the uh, the due diligence it deserves. Yeah. So, but yeah, you got your, your set of your awesome slick new key blades. So yeah, from here, just go on into the, the deep dark and you will encounter the big buff behemoth. Behemoth! I, it's just kind of there, honestly, the behemoth. Mm-hmm. On one, I would say I enjoy the fight. It's not arduous. It's not like a pain. Yep. It can be kind of easy depending on your build. I definitely, with Divine Rose and the level I'm at, just kind of did rinse behemoth like nobody's business, unfortunately. Yep. Well, say nobody's business. I, like, it wasn't a cakewalk, but it was easier than it should have been. I can say that much, definitely. But I think all my love... All my love for Behemoth comes from, I don't know, I guess the fight being fun in my eyes and just like from a personal experience. And also the fact that it's just a translation of a Final a, a Final Fantasy staple. I'm going to say monster, reoccurring theme. Uh. No, Behemoth is a staple. I'm going to go as far as to say that. So like Behemoths, like do they have like kind of like a unified design where like they look pretty similar from game to game or do they change a lot? Like does this actually look like a Behemoth as a Heartless? Kind of, sort of. So I kind of, <laughs> I until we fought, fought this, I kind of, I didn't forget, I forgot certain aspects of the design. And I think I was looking, maybe when I did this fight... I feel like we were talking. It might have been during our last podcast. I just casually was like looking at like Behemoth from I think Behemoth starts in FF two, and but looking at the, like the design of Behemoth over the years, it's definitely changed a lot. But now it basically comes to big. Well, we're playing Final Mix, so everything's recolored. Mm-hmm. But originally, Behemoth is just like a big purple beast with two horns. Okay, and like, the part of the design that I forgot is that. Behemoth and Cage has a unicorn, like a, you know, I don't know what you call a single horn, if there's a technical term for it, but it has a single horn, which is the only weak point you can attack, mm-hmm. but it also still has a pair of other horns as well. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a shame they don't do this for any other Heartless. It's just such an easy mm-hmm. way to mine, you know, more Final Fantasy connections. Yeah. Yeah. Just throw in more Heartless Final Fantasy monsters. But this is pretty much all we get. <laughs> exactly. It's the, it's the one and the only. Yeah. And the fight's fine, but my problem is just the behemoth gets so overused. Like, I think you'll fight at least five throughout the rest of the game. And it's a very long yeah. fight where you're just doing the same thing mm-hmm. the whole time, basically. So, like... Yeah, there's not a whole lot of variation. Yeah, like, you, it doesn't change between one encounter to the next. So, like, first fight, okay, that was you know, decent enough. Second fight, like, uh, okay, like, I guess I'll fight another. Third fight, okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, you got anything else? What's going on? <laughs> no. And then after that, Uh-oh. it's just, okay, cool, another one. Great. Let me just grit my teeth and just try to get this over with as soon as possible. <laughs> I probably thought this before, but I it came to me a spur of the moment right now. It makes sense that Behemoth is the final boss of Hollow Bastion, seeing as Hollow Bastion is the FF world. So, yeah. I think that just clicked in my mind. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. I, I guess, in terms of, and I'm trying, I was, I think I was mainly thinking of in terms of, like, this is the only Final Fantasy monster directly 
or you know ff staple directly translated into an enemy because we have we definitely we talked about it before like there are definitely some thematic designs i mean literally we, we wizards defenders the other floating magical dudes all they all take elements from existing ff classes and enemies but they're not like you know a direct like yeah look at this but now it's in kingdom hearts yeah so yeah, it, it does make a little bit of sense. But yeah, I think Behemoth could have used more moves, or at least more of a difference between its now and the other appearances we're going to encounter towards the end of the For game. For sure. It's only got like three moves. Yeah. yeah, like it definitely hits hard, um, but just, I mean, it's so slow, So like, and its tells are really obvious, so just back up when you need to, get back on those haunches, whack away. <laughs> yeah so you just you, just, you 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 find that you find those sweet butt cheeks you grab onto him you just jump onto his back and you just want to smack the horn until the thing's dead yeah so yeah once you beat him you lock that there keyhole and i don't know this world has always felt so anticlimactic to me for some reason <laughs> well <laughs> actually you don't lock the keyhole uh leon decides to crash the party sora you did it it, it Except I didn't do it, Leon, like I'm doing it right now, and now you're just interrupting me, like, do you want me to steal the keyhole or not? <laughs> so, I guess you go and talk to your Final Fantasy friends. We're just off, just here for some reason, but it makes sense because Sid, Sid is a gummy ship. Yeah, so they gave you the whole spiel of, you know, our hearts will always be connected. Don't forget to call. We love you, Sora. It's been real. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, when you do win the game, we'll never see you ever again. <laughs> so, like, yeah, bye, friends. Yeah, hope you're hope you're cool with that. <laughs> it's weird to hear them talk after so long. Like, I'm trying to think. I don't think they've had any spoken dialogue since the first Traverse Town visit. I don't even know if this. I don't believe. I don't so. even think the second visit they had like actual. Uh, voice acted lines. Nope. You'll hear Leon and Yuffie naturally through the Olympus Coliseum. Um, but Aerith especially. <laughs> just like, oh, uh, how, how's your voice doing? Maybe you should, you know, drink some water. You haven't used that thing in a while. It's a little rusty. <laughs> so yeah, I just imagine they like got most of those actors in for like one day, and they were like, all right, do all your lines, get out. Here's your money. <laughs> it's over. Here. No way. I can't lose. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why I'm always kind of underwhelmed with this world is just that cutscene with the Final Fantasy characters just kind of comes out of nowhere, I guess. Of like, oh, what are you, what are you guys doing here? And, and like you said, like it makes sense because this is their home world, but like they didn't really give an indication that they were gonna follow you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's also just kind of takes it out, takes me out of it a little bit that like they're just hanging out in this area that's like swarmed with heartless. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, you eliminated the Heartless, and they came through, and they're uber-powerful boys and girls, so... Yeah, but it is weird, just straight chilling. Yeah, because we were just straight chilling where we were uh, having a sweaty sweaty battle with Riku maybe like an hour before. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the revisit. Um, There are a few little loose threads to clean up, so... You want to go back down there to the library and talk to Aerith. And you want to talk to her multiple times because she's a very, very picky NPC. <laughs> I think this is the infamous one. Yeah. I So she'll give you Kuraga. Like I've talked to her like two or three times maybe. 
And I always forget... Uh, three times. Okay. Yep. I always forget where to get Kiraga, because I always assume Bell gives it to you. It's basically a flower spell, and Bell, Rose... There you go. But no, it comes from Aerith, but only after you talk to her a few times. So get that spell, because Kiraga definitely want that upgrade healing for the end game. Yes. This is this is it. This is like if you I mean, you have to get Faraka, but like if you get another Aga spell, make it also it's right it's right here. Like literally like go to the chapel save point, like back out of the world, just go to the library save point, jump down, talk to and basically, grab Aerith and shake all of the goodies out of her. Yeah. One, one annoying thing about this revisit is, yeah, like, for some reason, all your save points are reset, so you can't travel to the library unless you'd already been there the second visit and used the save points. So, like, yeah, I, like, went back. Oh, uh, and I, like, yes. So you'll have to revisit. Yeah, like, you can't just pick it from the fast travel, basically. Yeah, I guess, I guess for our friends who haven't played in a while or aren't playing along with us, yeah, our, the entire HB reunion tour... You have to start from start from scratch, which well, which also means uh, you brought up a good point. Make sure you touch all of the save points, which yes. are your rising falls, your library, and your chapel, just so you just so you have them again. And there's the waterway because but you don't you don't really need to go back to the waterway. <laughs> exactly, like I forgot the waterway. I forgot the waterway. For save. some reason, I had it, and I don't even remember going back to it. <laughs> I was like, okay. I think I was. <laughs> oh, once we're done, once we're done here, I'm gonna check to see if I. I still have Waterway, or maybe I just literally don't care about yeah. Waterway enough. I think I went back just to double check if I had gotten all the Trinities. Because there's a Blue Trinity. Yeah, but I got that on the first visit. Yeah, the area is literally called Dungeon. So, it's interesting how they space out the Cure Magic. So, first of all, just in general, like, the fact that that's probably going to be your second Ga-level spell is kind of weird. You know, Cure itself was pretty hard to get for the first tier anyway. But here it's like... Immediately after Fyraga, Kiraga. <laughs> Woo! So we got Cure from Deep Jungle for being at the Stealth Sneak. Yep. We get our, where's our other upgrade? I'm blanking right now. So Kira comes from Neverland, which was mm-hmm. only like an hour ago, basically. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. So you just immediately get the upgrade and it's like, okay. So I guess like. Just for scaling purposes, just because the enemies all get powered up so much after the second visit. So, like, maybe they're like, all right, we should probably get them Kiraga, just to balance things out. Yeah, but... exactly. I guess we didn't yeah. we didn't hark on it, but I should, should mention it. There are literally two phases of when it comes to enemies in Kingdom Hearts. There is what they call before rescue and after rescue. So, literally yep. after our, our first Hollow Bastion run, where we turn into a Heartless, we leave, we get yeeted back to Traverse Town. And in the, the the FF characters make mention of it, but I guess you know we'll make mention of it here as well. The fact that all the heartless now get buffed. So I was yeah. revisiting worlds as we played along, and you know going back to Wonderland or going back to Deep Jungle, the heartless don't. They some of them have in, incremental upgrades, but they're usually the ones that reappear in the later worlds as well. Some just have a flat before and after. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everything once you rescue Kyrie. Everything gets basically buffed up to your level. The encounters will also change. You'll probably see defenders and wizards in dark balls in a lot of yeah, places. Yeah, all the heartless are on shuffle mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the encounters got to shuffle around now that we're in yeah. in big boy territory, essentially. Yeah, this is pretty much the cap for all the heartless in terms of their levels and like who's going to appear where. Mm-hmm. 
So like it's nice that they get the buff just so you can kind of they can kind of keep up with you um in game but then after a certain point yeah like you'll be taking them out just as easily as 10 hours in as opposed to 30. So like I kind of yeah. wonder if maybe they should have actually scaled with your level as opposed to just a flat here's a universal buff for every heartless but <clears throat> so yeah aside from that the only other thing in Hollow Bastion to know is the uh white trinity and uh, rising falls which couldn't tell you what's actually in it i think it might be i think it might be a gummy, it's a gummy. piece yeah it's a gummy. it's like i remember what it is actually i think i still have the trinity mark i, I have the trinity list open because we're going to revisits and hall bastion yeah okay it is, is it different it's a, for, it's a uh no it is for it's farag it's a faragaji so it's one of the ah. good engines in original okay. and then it becomes a thundaga in final mix yeah. so what well, the best of the Alrighty. the best of the thunder guns basically gotcha. yeah which means thunder for you Express. it is essentially useless <laughs> yep i couldn't even tell you what thunder does <laughs> <laughs> um well no <laughs> so with that all said and done let's let's begin our world tour baby we're kicking it all yeah. the way back to traverse town even though we were just there but whatever this is gonna be our first stop mm-hmm so yeah, basically at this point, I mean, you can make a beeline for the final boss, but I mean, yeah, just playing through it over like the last day, like this is probably my favorite part of the game where, you know, I kind of mentioned at the start of this episode, but like, it's just that sweet spot where like, you know, your stats are really good. You're taking out Heartless like really efficiently. You're getting all your synthesis and like, mm-hmm. it's just fun kind of checking off all the worlds. Like, okay, I need this in Wonderland, but then I'm going to make a pit stop at Agrabah, but then I need to go to Atlanta real quick just to get that last Trinity and like, just like going off that checklist of your mind of like wrapping up all the worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get everything at the game at this point in terms of uh, missing chests and whatnot. In Traverse Town, uh, I think the main things that uh, you have left to pick to pick off. Oh god, I have hiccups and it's uh, <laughs> it's doing things to me. Uh, let's see. So in Traverse <laughs> in Traverse Town, you got uh, the Yellow Trinity behind Merlin's uh, hut. Uh, which mm-hmm. I think will give you some Dalmatians. If not there, then definitely gliding over to the little chest on the rock behind the hut. I think I think I think you are correct that the yellow trinity is an AP up, and that you glide to the puppers on the rock. Yeah, and then there's a white trinity in the secret tunnel, which I think an oracalcum. But it whatever. is it is an Oric- it is an oracalcum. I do remember that. Yay! I, I got it right. And. You know, while you're here, might as well check in on the Dalmatians, get any um any perks. I think the main one to note that isn't just like a gummy or synthesis piece is you'll get a tech boost towards like the last thirty or so puppies. So that's pretty yes. good. Yes. Yeah, so I think second or third to last, there's a tech yeah. boost. And if you know if you've been listening to our podcast and you've listened to me say words out of my mouth hole, you know that I love tech points. So tech boost is always yeah. So, yes, aside from that and Traverse Town, the main thing to note here is <laughs> the Sniper Wilds. <laughs> so, that is the Uber Heartless of this world. They are um, palette swaps of the Bouncy Wilds, and they are the worst. <sighs> They're the worst. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I'm crying a little bit. So, I will, I will say, I guess we, I mean, we should just say this. Have you encountered any so far? Or, like, I guess we should mention if there's an Uber Heartless we haven't encountered yet, but I have encountered the Snapper Wilds on a few reach on a few returns, actually. Yeah, I want to say 
I mean, I guess the Uber Heartless are pretty common, but I feel like this is definitely one of the more common ones where they'll just show up inadvertently. And because the second district is like attached to so many locations, like, yeah, you'll, I would say you'll run into them, but really that means you'll avoid them pretty often throughout all your different Traverse Town visits. Yep. <laughs> so as soon as you, they see you, uh, they just go ham and all Sniper Wilds on deck. And they just snipe you probably until you die. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot about that when I saw them again. And I was like, oh, they're not going away. Oh, I'm not getting experience. Oh, yeah, I should just run. <laughs> yep, just, just get out of there. It's a bad idea. So strategy for them is to use stop, which is actually another thing about it. Comes in handy for a lot of the Uber Heartless, but um, yes, you want to use stop. This one requires a lot of prep work, so a lot of my grinding yesterday was just to get ready for the Sniper Wilds, because you want, ideally, you'd have stop ga, so that's why I went and took out Phantom, and you want really high MP, so that's why I took out Ice Titan for Diamond Dust, <laughs> and then yeah, just grinding and like getting some MP ups naturally through leveling up, but also you know getting some better synthesis materials for MP ups. Like, as you want your bar to go as high as it can, basically. Yep. When it's just the first one, so they'll go in waves. Like, you take out the first one, then two appear, two appear take them out, then three appear. Uh, the first one, you can kind of just pick off with Fyraga, honestly, like, without having to waste the two MP on stop. Yeah. But after that is when you use stop, and you want to, like, position yourself, like, right by them before they appear, so you can get them in the one go. And then what I did was I just spammed Thundaga, uh, like four times, and that usually took it out. But uh, what, what was what was your approach? As I try to get rid of my hiccups. So I haven't seen them recently. So I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them after rescue. I've seen them before rescue. After I had my initiary an initiary initial reaction of oh yeah, here's your mechanic. It's kind of dumb. Uh, I didn't encounter them once after that, and I did the the traditional what you just said of. Stop. I don't think I made it very far. I think I kind of flubbed it, but I uh, I think I made it to like four or five, maybe five, maybe five or six before I got spotted. And I was like, well, I run to the Dalmatian house now. Bye. Yep. But I haven't encountered them recently. And I, as a, they drop Power Stone, because I'd like to look it up just to be sure. Yep. And I was looking up the drop rates between kind of the waves, basically. Yep. So like you get up to a certain amount and there, you can get a drop a power stone. They, I encourage you if you're interested, look up the the drop rates yourself. But yeah, obviously, the farther you go into knocking out the wilds, the bigger chance you get to drop power stones. And then I think from a certain point onwards, they will always drop power stone. Yeah, they just suck. <laughs> and like they're yeah, their drop rates for the amount of effort you have to put in, I feel like the drop rate is really low. Like I had. Usually, like, you'll you'll get at least one after the third wave, but, like, I would have times when I would get nothing throughout all three waves, and then I was like, well, that was a bust, and then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, by that point, your MP's pretty low, and then you can't keep going, so it's like, well, cool. Yeah, you gotta be very careful. To get your power stones, you need to get... To get your higher drops, like, you need to beat up a lot of them before yeah. they start, before the drops become really good. As soon as one of them spots you, then, like, they freak out, and then they won't drop anything. So, like... It's game over, just... man. It's game over. And also, yeah. they're hella annoying when they spot you. <laughs> yeah. And even just getting in on them in the first place, like, they jump around a lot. So, like, it's hard to, like, pinpoint, like, when's the right time to go get them. Because they're not always in groups, so you want to kind of single them out. But, like, they can easily, like, jump, like, kind of 
back toward each other. So, like, you stop one, but then one jumps right next to you, and then they spot you, and then you're screwed. And then I always panic and end up stopping, like, five times and wasting all my MP, MP just to make sure that they don't get me. I'd say they're, I want to say top three, but probably bottom three in terms of most frustrating uh, Uber Heartless for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're, in terms of anno- annoying... Being annoying. That's 100% correct. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it for T-Town in terms of what it has left to offer. So let's let's mosey back down the rabbit hole and check out Wonderland. In particular, there is a white trinity beckoning for us. It's kind of out of the way, actually. You have to go to the bizarre room through one entrance and then go to the bizarre room from the bizarre room and then from the bizarre room to the lotus forest and like you have to like sink through the painting on the wall um and then there you'll find the white trinity there's also like some thunder flowers i think um Mm -hmm. but yeah use that white trinity and then you will get the lady luck keyblade (gasps) what wonderland had a keyblade the whole time yep (laughs) so yeah i when i first played through this this isn't gonna surprise anyone but i didn't even know this keyblade existed until like my third or fourth playthrough (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was pretty crazy yeah she's hell out of the way which is understandable yeah which again like i see that's appropriate for like the wonderland keyblade not so Mm -hmm. much for the oblivion but yeah so this is basically upgraded spellbinder so it also gives you two mp uh i think the strength is seven so it'll gives you more mileage for your basic attacks yep strength is seven yeah so it's good in the stats department Mm -hmm. design wise eh. it's what you expect from a wonderland a wonderland keyblade it just mild heart themes well it's like all card themes which you know makes sense for the queen of hearts but like that's not that doesn't describe Wonderland as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all the different design bits are, like, the different suits of cards. I don't know. It looks... It just looks very plasticky. <laughs> and, like, I I can just imagine it as, like, like a cosplay prop, basically, where, like, someone makes this at home. And I imagine this one would be very easy to make. Mm-hmm. Just out of, like, stuff you have around the house. Definitely a step down in terms of visuals from Spellbinder, so... Again, I kind of resent it for that fact. Like, rather than using <laughs> Spellbinder, but, like, I guess your stats are better. Literally better. Uh, for better and for worse. Yeah. It's also very pink, which, eh, I'm not too too jazzed about, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, aside from that, interesting to note, and I, I haven't been back to Wonderland, or at least talked to the NPCs for a while, so I can't directly compare... But I feel like all the NPC dialogue for the cards and the Queen of Hearts and the Queen's Palace, I feel like all their dialogue's been updated. Well, what do they what do they say? Yeah, so before rescue, um, everything's about the trial. Like, oh, like go find Alice. Like, how did you lose her? Blah 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 blah. Um, but then after it, specifically the Queen, she says something like, "I'm too busy for a trial. Don't bother me with that." And then like all the cards are like talking about like, oh, like we can fight off the shadows. Like they're no match for us. And just kind of mm-hmm. acknowledging that like. It's almost like they're acknowledging that the Heartless are, like, more of a problem now, and that's what they need to focus on, which is kind of cool. It's very interesting. Yeah, like, go go back and take a look and talk to all the um, the Queen's Castles folks, because, yeah, it just kind of feels like the story is leaving an impact on, you know, the Disney world. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, other worlds with 
NPCs to talk to. Like, we're, we're going to get to Deep Jungle in a second, but Jane just says, like, oh, go ride on the vine, Sora. And you're like, okay, you, you realize there's, like, a cataclysmic event. I'm a little too busy for that. But the vines! <laughs> I should poke around Halloween Town and see what Sally and the Doctor have to say. But, yeah, just interesting that they, like, went through the effort to write new dialogue for them. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, <laughs> just in general, Wonderland probably has multiple cho- chests to pick off. Just because all the different branching paths and whatnot. Oh, 100%. Uh, so when we... I've definitely revisited Wonderland and gotten some of them, so I can't speak to all of them. But go to the bizarre room, go to every bizarre room in the bizarre room. Yeah. Uh, oh, we, we, we came to the first time we talked about putting the teddy in the other chair. There is a green trinity in the fireplace, so yep. you should uh, check out. You should stick your head in the fireplace sometime. And make sure it's uh, it's working, I, I guess. There are... In the Tea Party Garden is where I'm thinking. There is the hedge. Yes, those were the main chests that I missed. Just because they're so mm-hmm. annoying to get to. So, like, you have to go to that one exit that will take you to the second floor. Like, the balcony of the bizarre room. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, the annoying roof over you, so you can't just jump and then go to the hedge. Like, you have to, like, jump at a very specific angle and then glide over to the hedge. <laughs> and then that'll give you yes. one chest. And then from there, you can jump and glide to the next. But because the ceiling's so low, like, you have to time your jump right. Otherwise, you'll just bop the ceiling and then fall down. Mm-hmm. It's a headache. Can you, just high, can you just high jump to the top of the hedge? No. Okay. You can't grab onto it because there's, like, I don't know, the, like, hedge texture... It's kind of like a barbed wire, <gasps> in essence. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you have to go from the balcony, and it's very, very finicky. Okay. So, yeah, uh, aside from picking off treasures, the the uber heartless of this world, you can find in the basic bazaar room uh, right off of the Queen's Castle, and that is the Giga Shadow. And you can see, you can tell if they're going to spawn, because usually you'll just get, like, the basic heartless, like, the sorcerers and I don't know what else shows up. I think maybe air soldiers. Air soldiers, uh, dark balls too. Okay. I remember a lot of. But before the Giga Shadow, you'll get exclusively Shadow Heartless, and then that's when you know, okay, big boys are on their way. So check out the. I think there's like three ways of shadows. I want to say the, yeah. That's when the Giga Shadow will appear, and the tricky things with these boys is if they get a hit off on you, if they hit you once, they will disappear. So basically, you want to keep away as much as you can and pick them off from a distance. But in terms of farming, so they give you a Fury Stone? I should have double-checked before, but I will check right now. But I also also just want to say Kevin's correct, and we're going to roll with that. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's Fury Stone. The that's like the ultimate uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, impossible quiz trivia question. Like that should be part of that. <laughs> like match match the materials to all the Uber Heartless because like they're not very intuitive of like what you think would go to each Heartless. <laughs> exactly, and it is a Giga Stone or not Giga Stone. Giga Shadow drops Fury Stones. <laughs> oh, okay. It's almost like I just played this yesterday. But yeah, the good thing is they show up in groups, so you can farm a lot of uh, Fury Stones at once, which is cool. Yeah. So my strategy was uh, much like most of this playthrough, spam summons. (laughs) 
So Dumbo is super clutch here because you're invincible while you're riding him. And ding, ding, ding. I would use Dumbo from the get-go because the more there are crowded around each other, the more hits you can get off with the water spout. So that's just good crowd control. Um, yeah. So pick off some of their HP. And then from there, I would switch to Mushu, who I guess we should talk about because we didn't talk about him last episode. Uh, I am Mushu. I am Mushu. <laughs> So yeah, he's great because it's just like mobile casting basically where just have him shoot off his fireballs and you can just keep running. So like you'll basically be able to keep them away from you without running into the risk of them hitting you. Um, mm. But his fireballs do pretty good damage. So yeah, Mushu's a good little boy. I always liked him as a summon probably because it feels more active where it's literally run and gun. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the other summons are a little more like not passive, but like they definitely like disrupt how you play like you kind of have to babysit them i guess or they babysit you but like with mushu like he's just right yeah. on top of your head it, it feels like you're more in sync and it's kind of like as he's attacking you can attack it just feels a little more active to me yeah no i think that you're literally you engage more in mushu which i think makes a lot of uh, sense when it comes to that interaction but yes he is mushu is invaluable because you just hold down triangle and he'll just, whatever you're targeting, he'll just start shooting fire off. I will note that it's it's kind of like Gatling gun effect. Like, the first yeah. few, you know, it, 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 he's, he's got to warm up a little bit. Uh, but once he's at his maximum, he, he just becomes a machine gun. Yeah. So it's very helpful, and especially when it comes to keeping things away from you, that you don't want to hit you. He's also just cute. A little <laughs> dragon hanging out on your shoulder. <laughs> and I love the little sound effect with the pew, 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 pew. It's just a good time. And yeah. also, did Tarzan or Mulan come out first? I think Mulan as a movie. Anyway. I want to say Mulan, yes. Okay. I was going to say, it's also just cool to get a uh, summon from a relatively new movie, which I, I guess Mulan would still be you know, pretty new at that point. But Yeah, a few years old, maybe two, three years. Yeah, Mushu, I want to say he's my favorite summon, but like, you get him so late in the game and like, so many encounters he's not going to be super helpful because like a lot of the enemies will be resistant to or just immune to fire attacks so like he's much more situational 100 percent, yeah he a good boy though what would i say as my favorite i i think i fall in the same category as you mushu is does have a lot of uses but mushu is very 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 fun to use yeah totally T tink is just a staple i'm not gonna say she's my favorite but she's definitely the most useful in my opinion yep your party members don't disappear so she's just auto healing and a single auto revive yep. which is always is always very good to have and then i i, do, I have a big affinity for bambi because just because i think my my lizard brain just says bambi gives you more shiny so bambi good yeah so we'll get into it more next episode but i was using some bambi and I get it now. I, I get exactly what you're talking about. Just the satisfaction of, ooh, new shiny. Ooh, a piece of, a piece of candy. A piece of candy. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I found him super helpful for Giga Shadows. Genie could also be helpful because you can just pop off his attack while running, basically. Yeah. I'm not sure that what the Giga said. Well, actually, well, while we're here. I think I still have the Giga Shadow page up. Because I've been really interested in what is resistant to what, just like going through the game, basically. When it comes to Giga Shadow and most other most other enemies at this point, a lot of them are resistant to magic, so 
most of the regular magics are only half effective on a Giga Shadow. But Genie's also good just because Genie can cover such a wide area and you're going to get, uh, I couldn't tell you yeah, how yeah. many that spawn simultaneously. The answer is a lot. I can tell you yeah. that much. For me personally, I was able to get them all off with just two summons. So, you know, if you nice. have a lot of MP, you can get away with just two without having to use a third. But yeah, I would say they're they're like the exact opposite of the Sniper Wild in terms of like just being manageable and like, okay, this doesn't make me want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's annoying it's just like a sniper wild it's annoying i think all the uber is the same it's really annoying when you when you f it up and you're like ah oh, i'm an idiot how can i mess this up pretty then, much you know having to leave the area come back and you know try to get your encounters again can feel exactly. bad exactly yeah. but uh, <laughs> when it comes to getting your drops is a little bit more manageable and you don't want to pull your hair out constantly yeah so yeah, that's that's it for Wonderland. Our final stop for today is good old Deep Jungle. Mm-hmm. So we got a couple of Trinities. Let's just get those off, out off the bat. There's the White Trinity in the Keyhole region behind the waterfalls, and then there's there's an Orichalcum, which is very clutch. And then <laughs> there's the deviously placed Green Trinity in the treetop, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which. Yeah, it's almost impossible to see unless you know it's there. <laughs> so this time I was like, how visible is it? Because also, I think this is right out of time. You mentioned uh, Traverse Town and the fact yeah. that the waterway, <laughs> Red Trinity, like, hey, it has distinct outline so you can tell it. And I was like, is there any distinct thing for the, the tree top? The tree top Trinity. Yep. The answer is no. It's just the fact that it's green on green on green. It can be hard to miss unless you... Unless you also walk directly over it and you get the little trinity pop up and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, yep. what's going on here? But also how often in your regular playthrough, yeah, exactly. outside of what we're doing now, do you even go through that tiny little area? Like, uh, I've been trying to get the, I've been trying to get the, the, the pink Agakaris to spawn, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I, I run through that area constantly now trying to get the respawn, so. If I didn't get it, you know, it would be very obvious to be like, oh, there's AK, there's a Trinity over here. But how many times do you go through that little tiny area on a regular playthrough? Yeah. The answer is probably maybe once. Yeah, it's probably the most difficult Trinity in the whole game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, uh, we get uh, two kind of two uber heartless in this world. So the yeah. first one is the Black Ballad, which you've probably seen a few times by now, because they show up mm-hmm. relatively frequently. I encounter these a good amount, just coming back. I think I got it even before I left the damn deep jungle, actually. <laughs> yeah, so they show up in the little bamboo thicket. Where you'll fight some more for the for the final time. Exactly. Yeah, unlike some of the others, they're like immediately obvious if they're there or not. Like You don't need to like look for like a certain tell or anything. Like It'll just be hanging out on the rock. <laughs> and it's they're basically just uh everyone's favorite uh find the ball under the cup game after shuffling it around <laughs> yep and they're they're tricky luckily they're pretty forgiving because they can give out the lightning stone which for once it actually makes sense <laughs> yeah correct they can give them out like at any time really if you hit the right one so that's kind of cool like you can get two or three in one go pretty easily so they're forgiving in that sense but like yeah i don't know if it's just i'm getting older and my eyes aren't what they used to be or if they got sped up for the re-release but like i probably only get them like 50 percent of the time that's with using the pause trick oh yeah so i was about to say pause is your best friend (laughs) 
click, 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 click. <laughs> Even then, I like can barely tell which one it was. I'm like, oh my god, like I used to be so good at this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, oh, I, I looked at the stats because I know it's much more forgiving than the others. So every time you hit the right black ballad, you'll mm-hmm. get it's, it's a it's a it's a base ten percent lightning stone drop chance. Most of them start like at five, so the fact that it starts at ten is very good. Yeah, and then for totally. ev- so once you hit four in a row, and you everyone after the fourth one, and then and that may include the fourth one. It's not super specific. It will a hundred percent drop a lightning stone. So Ooh. if you if you if you get a bunch correct over the course of this encounter, you just you can you can get a good amount of lightning stone drops. So that's always good to know. Yeah, I'd say that they're the easiest Uber Heartless. If you get it wrong, you get a little lightning strike, but like it doesn't really hurt you. And even if it does, you just easily cure it. They spawn pretty frequently, as we just explained. Their drop rates are pretty generous. Yeah, when I when I see like oh I need lightning stones, I'm like oh well that's not a big deal. Yeah, I would say I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of all of them now, but I think yeah you're right in terms of and in terms of annoyingness, they're at the top of the list because they're the least. One of the least, if not the least annoying. And, yep. I mean, we just talked about Giga Shadows, who go away when you hit you, and Sniper Wilds that sound the alarm when they see you, and you're in, like, hey, game over, kid. The fact that you can mess up a few times is very... Yeah, funny. like... It's forgiving. There's not, like, an instant fail state. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you don't, you don't feel bad. You don't feel bad. when he, <laughs> As opposed to literally the other two we just covered. So, yeah, that's them. And then, yeah, for some reason, there's a second one in this world, which when we get to the rest of the worlds, I'll explain where I think it should have mm-hmm. been. But in any case, we get a pink agaragaragaragaracarus in the treehouse. Boy, is it a pain for many, many reasons. Agaracus. 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 I've never said this out loud. And uh, so even when I said before, when I was like, oh, we'll get to it in a bit, I was like, duh, what is word? Yeah, it's a lot. Yes. So first of all, you gotta you gotta get them to show up. Um, and the way you can tell that they're there is much like the Giga Shadow having his little shadow minions. You'll get some white mushrooms in the treetop, or the treehouse, and they all spawn in different areas each time, so you can't like immediately tell, oh, there's white mushrooms here. So you do have to go up a little bit just to see if the regular Heartless will appear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get wyverns to spawn, so as soon as you see something spawn, you're like, yeah. nope, not today! And you can run away, come back. Exactly. So, they'll show up, and they're specifically stopped mushrooms, so, like, you can't do any of the other charades with them. Like, you have to stop. And then after mm-hmm. just one stop, they'll instantly disappear, unlike having to do three in a row. Yep. And <laughs> I don't know why they're placed in all these devious spots, <laughs> but it, like, <laughs> takes a minute just to track them all down because the treehouse is so big and like you'll get the like battle cue of like the music changes and your mini turns red and you're like okay i know it's like the skyrim meme of like the crab is like somewhere within a 20 mile radius and like where is it (laughs) (laughs) so like i know there's a white shadow here somewhere i just don't know where (sighs) oh my god yes and the worst one is i didn't even know this was a thing but one will appear on like behind the treehouse, there's like I guess like a rafter with like where you would like raise up something, but like it's like this little pole sticking out of the back, and then there's like a rope falling from it, and it's like kind of above the second floor, so like really there's no reason why you would ever get to that pole, like you would never stand on top of it because it's not accessible unless you drop down from the very top of the treehouse. 
Yes. But yeah, every now and then there'll just be a white mushroom hanging out on top of it. And you're like, what, what are you doing there? Get down from there, young man. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get yourself in these situations? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a pain tracking down all the white mushrooms before we even get to the big daddy. But yeah. yeah. God, and we were talking about that spawn rate. Literally, as, as we were preparing to record, I was trying to get this thing to spawn. And yep. uh, frustration is the one word I can say. Yeah, especially if you do finally get to spawn, but you don't know exactly what you're doing. So I definitely had a few failed runs where, like, I kindly got it to show up, but then I, like, botched it. And I was like, great. Uh, let me do this all over again. Yes. So I was looking very specific. I don't think I've ever done the pink, the pink boy correctly. I think it, I did the usual, like, I'm going to cast... Arrow, grow on myself, I'm going to cast stop yep. on the boy, I'm going to yep. try to hit him, but yep. for this time around, because we're uh, real gamers now, I definitely looked up, like, here are guides on how to get the best, you know, here's the, here are the best strats for getting yep. your miles worth out of Pink Boy. Yes, so the basic idea is it drops Serenity Powers, which you'll need for a few different recipes, and Power! the way you get them is... You have to stop Pinky and then try to get in as many hits as possible before it unstops. And the more hits you get, the higher chance you get of uh, dropping a Serenity Power. And yes, it sounds simple, but... And I think they changed it for like the PS4 re-release and whatnot, the 1.5, 2.5. But mm-hmm. for 1.5, which is when most people probably first encountered this guy, if Donald and Goofy attacked, their hits would count against you. So when you would use limits <laughs> on Triangle, Triangle would also attack or like sick Don Goofy on them. So like while you're attacking them, Don Goofy are also attacking. So like you're basically canceling out your hits and it's the worst. It's super frustrating. So you'd have to go through this like insane exploit where you'd have to angle Don Goofy in this like very particular jumping position and you get them. You'd have them standing on the opposite wall of the treehouse, like on a ledge outside so that they're, like, directly yeah. in front of you, but there's the wall in between you while you're inside. And then you, like, summon <laughs> Bambi for some reason to, like, get them to despawn or something. <laughs> uh, it was just the worst, but then even then you're still not guaranteed because you'd have to use Ragnarok, but, like, in a very particular way so that it would trigger yep. faster. And you're just like, why is this, like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I'm building Ikea furniture right now. <laughs> That's a perfect comparison, really. Yeah. Luckily, they, they fixed it in 1.5 and 2.5. So you don't have to worry about Don Goofy anymore. So that's, like, huge relief. Yes, yeah, so I read all these. I, I was doing guides. And I was reading them, like, oh, God, now I gotta lock the boys yeah. off and this and that. And then it's like, hey, for the PS4 release, you don't have to worry. I'm like, thank yep. goodness. Yeah, I distinctly remember... Because, like, I don't do, like, all the synthesis very often. Like, I think the last time I did it before this was in, like, 2014. And that was the only time I did all the pink agaricus stuff. Yeah. And I just remembered hating it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's much more manageable this time. So, much like Sniper Wilds, you want as much magic as you can to get as much mileage out of that stop. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you want a lot of magic so you can keep spamming Ragnarok. But, yeah, basically... You know, if your magic's a little low, yeah, definitely summon Bambi to top it off after you, you've used stop on the white mushrooms. Once you do that, slap arrow on yourself, well, Aurora or Aroga, so that 
that's also dealing hits. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. stop big boy. And then, yeah, just go for Ragnarok. But you specifically want to be targeting the head. And this is how I messed up the first time. If you target the body, Ragnarok won't prompt. So you want to switch targets to the actual mushroom cap. Can you switch your lock on and it targets the head? Yeah, just press R1 and then pressing L2 will alternate. L2? The there we go. Okay. So I so I, when it said target the head, I didn't... Oh, I also, I've only tried this once. Before I was like, okay, I gotta do all of these things. And I think in the spur of the panicking moment, I didn't... I, I definitely jumped and would target the head, but didn't think to yep. lock on, <laughs> switch target, go to head. Yeah. But I had a pretty successful first run, so... Uh, for, ha- for having yeah. not uh, not the required magic for all the guys that are like, here's the only way how to do it. And... Yeah, so just, you want to pop off a Ragnarok and then get in like two or like one and a half air combos before Ragnarok will show up again. And then mm-hmm. rinse, repeat. And then you get the satisfying like animation of all the hits actually playing out. And there's fireworks <laughs> and things start spawning and you get your items and you see all the tech points rack up and it's very satisfying i'll give it that it's, it's, it's some goodness so i really just i mess i kind of mess up the first time before a first go it is what it is i still got to 70 so 70 out of you want i guess 100 is the is the top of yeah what you want to be hitting but for 70 out of for a, kind of a botch run i wasn't i wasn't too yeah that's i wasn't really ashamed of myself whatsoever also the good thing about this as opposed to other uber heartless is that you don't have to beat kind of similar to black ballad you don't have to beat it to get the get the yeah. drop i think after 40 i think that's the threshold you have to hit for it to actually drop mm-hmm. the serenity power which yeah, is pretty because i got to 70 and got two yeah so that, that I, i'm pretty happy with that personally i mean you get a power if you get to 100 but also because <laughs> we were looking this up before we started if you get 100 hits, it drops a prime cap, which yep. is a very interesting accessory that you'll probably never use. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to, your strength goes down by five, but your defense goes up by five. Yeah. I consistently hit 90, but I haven't gotten to 100 yet. But I think mm-hmm. if I just get like one more MP bar, I should be good, which I think I actually have now. So maybe I should mm-hmm. go and try that again. So, yeah, once once you know what you're doing... It's pretty manageable, and you can hit it pretty consistently. So mm-hmm. this one's not too bad. I'd say it's like pretty middle of the road in terms of frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right. That, that completes part one of World Tour. So <laughs> next week, your itinerary includes the <laughs> sweltering sands of Agrabah. The boisterous bowels of Monstro, the swimmy seas of Atlantica, the spunky spooks of Halloween Town, and the skittish skies of Neverland, and also the uh, the capricious Copernicus cups of Olympus Coliseum. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> So yeah, we're going to get back to the rest of the worlds. Yeah, basically everything else. <laughs> exactly. Our big meat and potatoes is finally taking a crack and talking about all of the cuffs of the Olympus Coliseum. Yeah, that'll be the main chunk for next episode for sure. And then after that, we'll get back on the main path 
to explore into the world. Um, and then at some point, we will take a break for all the super bosses. Um, not sure if that'll be pre or post, like final episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, we are we are in the thick of it. It's a great time. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, if you like this podcast, give us a, give us a rate, give us a review, give us a subscribe, give us a a remail. I don't know. <laughs> I guess subscribe doesn't start with an R, so I don't know why I was trying to make that alliteration stick. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Email us at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. You can find it in the description. Tell us how much you hate Giga Shadow. Yeah, what's what's your least favorites? And I was going to say most favorite, but I don't think anyone has a most favorite Uber Heartless. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for listening. This has been Kingdom Hearts by Hearts, and I've been Kevin. I am sometimes Marshall, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, to the gummy ship and away. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Woo. Yeah.